Good evening, LCM. Today is May 8th, 2019. The title of tonight's sermon is Feet on Fire. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 4. We're going to start off in the Word because there is no better place to start a sermon. Fire. Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 5. Say there when you're there. Says, see, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of. Man, you could stop and preach right there on that. Entering for what purpose? Why does God bring you into a land so that you can take possession of it? This is one of the things that this church is working and striving to do. Not just keep you right at the entrance of what God is doing. Not just saying that the the starting line is now the finishing line because we want you to feel better about yourself. We're saying you are entering a land that you might take full possession of it. That you can enjoy all that God has given you. That you're not just barely in the doors of Christianity, but that you are running after headlong into every purpose that He has for you. There is no other way to live this life. There is no other version of Christianity than this. And this is what... Moses is saying, verse 6, observe them carefully. Somebody say carefully. Carefully. See, if you're going to observe the ways of the Lord, you have to do it the way that He prescribes. You have to observe it carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Man, tonight I'm going to go over some stories with you that happened on the mission field. There was a certain Bible teacher that we ran into in North India and Nepal. And... uh, This gentleman wanted to spend time to show us how wise and understanding and learned of a man he was. At some point on the trip, we all had our uh, our time with this dear brother, and he's a saint. He is a he is a true believer. But the man, my assessment is that he's never really been pastored very well. So he spent much time. He's a an elder man, and he should have just enjoyed what God's presence was in his life. And instead, he was trying to show us what he knew. If you really want to show somebody what you know, you know how to do that? You observe carefully the laws that the Lord has given you. You simply do what he says and let the wisdom be seen for itself. I shared with this brother, I said, "Uh, brother, look, I'm a pastor. I don't have time to learn and think on things that don't cause other people to advance towards their calling and their purpose. I love you. You're an elder in the faith. I do not want to be disrespectful to you. Please share with me something that might push me towards Christ. Because so far, nothing that you've said has been encouraging. Hi, welcome welcome to an LCM mission trip, right? (laughs) Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Who will hear all about these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Why? Because they were trying to show it to everybody? Nope. But because they were living according to God's standard. That makes you wise. That will be undeniable to the people around you. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us when we pray to him? I am so glad to be a part of a church where God is near to us. If you forget everything else tonight, if you forget the anecdotes, the stories, what we're talking about here, would you please remember that God is near us? And when he comes and wants to be near us, that demands a certain response. Did you feel God's presence tonight while we were worshiping? We serve a God who desires to be near to us. Why should you get rid of all filth, all sin? Why? Because it keeps you from being near to God. 
Why must you get rid of fear and insecurities? Because it keeps you from being close to God. We are here to be a group of people that can get close to God. Man, it is so incredible for me to be home. I've actually listened to every message that went on since I've been here. Since I was gone, I listened to them all at least twice. Because I have to tell you that listening to them is not as good as being here. And I listen with my notebook out across the world. I'm listening to the sermons as soon as I can get my hands on them. You know, when you're away, sometimes it reminds you of how precious what you have is. I learned from Pastor Matt and Justin Treister that God has built a dwelling for his name. You. I learned from Pastor Eric that God fills it with his fire and glory. When we come in unity, holiness, and a singular focus, it's almost like God desires to give us corporate revival. I learned from Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt that God has commanded us to be tent makers, teaching others to do the same. That we represent God's image, that we are to participate in his nature, and we are to carry more of his glory for the sake of the world. We have a team leaving for Indonesia first thing in the morning. We have another trip. We have a trip to Peru. We have multiple trips to Peru this year. We have a trip to Mexico. We've already done as much as most churches that I know. I was in a very, very large church. Some might call it a mega church before the Lord rightly sent me here. We're doing more in missions than many mega church, than most mega churches that I know. After 19 days, three countries, almost 25,000 miles traveled, 22 services that I've been in since last time I saw you. Not including house visits, prayer meetings, random stopping and talking to people wherever we could. Demonic manifestations and outpourings of the Holy Spirit. I just want to tell you that there is no place like being back here at LCM. I mean, this is a normal trip that I was on for LCM. But let's be real, our trips aren't very normal, are they? I bring you greetings from our precious friends Anand and Raja Israel of Love and Care Ministries. LCM. I bring you also greetings tonight from one of our fellow One Association churches, Submission Ministries, and Pastor Zeke Lamb and his son Ezekiel, who is on the trip with us. Here's, here's a quick little uh, word from Pastor Zeke to our family at Life Changing Ministries. It was an honor for Submission Ministries to join with LCM in breaking into new territory in North India and Nepal. We could tell that though there are many challenges there, we're confident that the power of the gospel will drive out that darkness. Pastor Wade, Ezekiel, and myself watched quite literally the demons run and flee, as well as governing authorities thwarted as we moved through those small Christian pockets in Nepal. Exodus 23, the Lord tells his people, little by little, they will be able to gain access to the land. Faithful obedience over the course of our lives will result in much fruit, and running with each of you is precious to me. Idols at city centers are coming down one at a time, Justin and Nick. Those fireworks after that awesome near beating, near getting arrested night has proved to be monumental in destroying the enemy and liberating people. I will share more details with you here shortly about that. So each day, let his word lift you to a place of radical obedience and walk knowing darkness is being driven back. Kathleen and I, the kids, as well as all of us here at Submission Ministry, send our love until we can see you again. Man, don't you guys love Pastor Zeke? 
My gosh, if you don't know Pastor Zeke Lamb and his family, when we have the One Association meeting in October, you need to make sure that you buy him coffee, that you wash his car, that you do something and get an inroad to spend time with that brother. That is an incredible man. What the Lord is doing in the midst of the One Association is incredible. Tonight, though, more than only having an India recap of our India missions, I want to focus on you tonight. These are the words that you shared with our team, and it helped direct and reflect God's glory in our trip. And I want to share these with you. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. What an, what an interesting way to do tonight. I, I'm kind of interested to see how this is going to work out myself. Because you are actually creating this sermon. The words that you shared, that you gave, are, are directing this. In Exodus chapter 14, in verse 19, it says this, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Man, what an interesting thing. I got a prophecy from a brother that said, while we were praying, I just saw the Lord was in front of you and he moved behind you. And I believe that it's going to be in the mountains. So I guess that's in North India and in Nepal because there are mountains up there. Yes, there's going to be part of this, but it was actually fulfilled even before we got to the northern part of India. We have a few pictures that hopefully we can show you just as we're going through this. This is one of the meetings in Kanur. Uh, in a mountain area there in India. Uh, this is a, a room as it was filling up. And uh, let's go ahead and show the next one as well. One more. Oh, that's beautiful. And then the ladies had a chance to, uh, by the way, I, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get there. Just wait. Just wait on me, people. I got a little jet lag. You got to wait on me just a second. Y'all getting there too quickly, right? Uh Christy and Natalie got a chance to share to a room full of women here at, at Kunur. They got to share the word with them, encourage the ladies there. This is Shamala right in the front with the microphone. That is Anand's mother. That's Raja's wife. This is Shamala Israel, faithful servant of the Lord. And so they're there. And uh, the, the, what if you haven't caught it yet, Pastor Eric is so fantastic of a man of God that he's still on every banner So you can see right, right to Christie's right shoulder there is a picture of, of Pastor Eric. Even, I didn't show you this one, but the way they had us seated. Please come in, Pastor, sit. Worship is going on. So I'm sitting here, Christie's sitting here, and Eric's face is right here the whole time. <laughs> Just right in between Christie and me. It was fantastic. Back to the prophecy. See, what happened is we were able to minister multiple times there in Kanur. Pastors, church members from all around that area came there to be with us. What we didn't know was that that light and the power of God moving from in front of us to lead us to behind us to protect you, to protect us, was going to look like this. As the team was getting onto the train, you can show the next picture. This is from the train station. This is the actual train station in Kanur. This is an old uh, relic, uh, one of the original trains that they have that they kind of have just as, a, as an ornament there now. So 
as they get on the train to go back from Kanur, it's about a 12-hour train ride from Kanur back to Chennai. They get on the train, and within 15, 15 minutes, 15 minutes they stop the train because they find out that men in the same train car as the LCM family, and in Israel's family, the choir members that had come, about 25 people that came to be with us to help us minister. In the same train car, feet away from them, were three men caught with guns and explosives that were going to blow up their train. A literal terrorist attack that was thwarted as God's presence moved from in front of us to behind us as we completed that task of ministering. So the way that they found out about it was a local um, truck driver was standing and he heard men speaking another language that none of the locals speak, but he just happened to be fluent in. And heard of 19 terrorists that were had a plot to destroy trains and attack various locations in the central and southern parts of India as a demonic representation of this these their Muslims trying to have a terrorist attack in China. This was right after the Sri Lankan attacks. Uh, this was within days of that. You know, you can sit and worry all you'd like. You can sit and plan to the nth degree. But when God says he's going to move from front in the front of you to lead you to being around behind you and he will take care of you, whether it is in front of you or behind you, that's a pretty important piece to this. Yeah, I don't know what other church goes and has thwarted terrorist attacks. Literally, that happens in the middle of our... And the truth is, is that none of us knew about it. We were traveling on to different places. It wasn't a day or it wasn't until a day or so later that Annan's family was calling him and said, did you hear? And it was saying, hear what, brother? What, what did I hear? And they were explaining what had happened and how the young men had actually seen these guys get arrested. And it was the, the entire movement was taken care of. What, what an incredible thing. This was in the southern part of India. When we moved up north. We had constant roadblocks. We had constant security stops just to see what we were doing. And to explain what Americans are doing in the car. And Zeke and I would just pray. Men with AK-47s, it really sounded more like we were in a trip to Turkey instead of a trip to northern India and Nepal. When God says that He's going to protect you, you can trust in the fact that He's going to protect you. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. This is another word that we got in preparation for the trip. Let's start in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 1. Are you there with me? When you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours. I love this passage of scripture. He doesn't challenge you if you're going to go to war and if you're going to find people who are better equipped than you are. It says, when you go to war, people of God, and you realize that every enemy you face is going to have more battle armor than you have, when they have more resources than you have, when everything about them seems to be greater, do not be afraid because of them. Because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. 
we can close it. We can close it down for the night. We we could just be done for tonight. Going, yeah, church. If you'll just remember that when you get into your situations, that you serve a God who doesn't care about the odds against you. He's already promised you that the odds are going to be against you. He's already promised you that. When you go, understand that things are going to be too big and too bad for you to handle. But your job is to not be afraid because God's going to be with you. Right before we got to Nepal, they were arresting Christians for doing exactly what we're driving across the border to do. They found the leader of the largest Christian group there in Nepal, and they arrested him at a restaurant along with his team. Two Americans, two Indians, and a Nepalese. Deported people from their country because they were breaking conversion laws. Nepal has conversion laws. Isn't that fantastic? What a good place for us to go. What a right place for us to go and and, and conquer. Don't be afraid of them because the Lord your God, by the way, who brought you out of Egypt, is going to be with you. When you go, when you are about to go into battle, the priest should come forward and address the army. What kind of army has a priest go address them? Wow. He shall say, hear, O Israel, today you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified or give way to panic before them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. I'm going to be the priest that stands before you, church, today and say, hey, don't be afraid. Stop being afraid. Stop being terrified. Don't let panic overtake you, Cody. Aside, you're about to move into a new house. Don't let fear grip you. Marlon, don't you let any type of, uh, of anxiety come upon you, my friend. Why? Because the Lord is with us, David. He's with us. Who can dare stand against us? Well, the answer is, is everybody's going to stand against us. But it doesn't matter who stands against us. Because he's with us. Danny, you don't have to be afraid of 300 contracting making it. Because God is with you. You don't have to be afraid of how your kids are going to... God is with you. If you start walking in that, that is a whole different kind of attitude for us to have. Now this scripture was given to me by one of you. So you know what we spend our time doing? We spend our time as a rallying cry in the churches. Yes, local churches here in India, you are being persecuted. You should stand up and be counted. You should be glorified. You should bless you because you are being counted worthy to suffer for our king. We do not have a mamby-pamby, weak, limp-wristed kind of Christianity. You know what? I, one of the things I love about this church that is very different than the church in India. The church in India, there are many, many women and very few men in the typical church. It's like three quarters, one quarter. You have a really, really fantastic church if you see half and half. Pastor Stephen Murga has one of those kind of churches where you have a half and half kind of thing or closer to that. When we were doing worship today, I took note of this. I took note of we had an altar full of people and they were all men. All the way across. Some with their young men, children with them. That's an honor to be in a church like this. See, what the world doesn't understand is we're trying to make real men of God without having real men of God leading them. 
Wow, what a different thing. I'm honored to be a part of a church that is so, that has such a priority on masculine holiness. We're never going to back down from that because it's right. Because it's holy. Because you should be this. Turn to Isaiah 52. I want to share another passage of Scripture with you in this idea. We're not supposed to be faint-hearted. Isaiah chapter 52. In verse 1. We shared this with a church in Salem, India. 52.1. Are you there with me? Awake! Awake, O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Isn't this exactly what the Lord's been doing here in this church in the last few services? He's saying, awake. He's building his name, people. He, he wants to bring fire and glory to this, to this church, to this land. You are supposed to be a tent maker. Awake. Clothe yourself with strength. It's not enough for just a few of us in here to be doing this. We need to be come alive and awake in our souls. Clothe yourself with strength. Strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Oh, Jerusalem, the whole city, the holy city, the uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust. Come on, if you're going to go into a group of people and as a priest say, don't be faint hearted, you know what you're also going to have to tell them to do? They're going to have to shake off the dust. What dust do you have on you today? See, I've listened to the sermons, but I wasn't here. I heard how fantastic the words have been, but I wasn't here with you. But you know what I know? Unless you're walking in this today, between Sunday and Wednesday, you know what happens? You can get some dust on you. You, you, you can, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. See, you could get distracted with your own daily living. See, it's easy to fall back into the ruts that we try to come and lift you out of as a church. When we get together. See, because you can go back to it as soon as you leave here. As soon as you go to sleep tonight and then wake up in the morning. That reset button hits and you know what you can fall into a habit of thinking? You can fall into a habit of picking up the same worries and becoming faint-hearted just like you were before you were in the service. No matter how fantastic a service is. No matter how fantastic the presence of God is. Sometimes you got to wake up. Turn to your neighbor and say, wake up, man. Woman, whatever. You got to shake off the dust from you. You can't let those things stay on you. You can't let those thoughts just sift down because they're really light. It just kind of gets there and you don't notice it until you look down, until you evaluate your own life. Man, you got to shake off the dust. You got to rise up. That is what the Lord is doing, is rising up this church. You got to rise up. When? Every day you got to rise up. Every time you leave here, it's easy to do it when we're together. You got to rise up when we get out of this place. You got to rise up in your faith. You can't set your Bible on the side until you're desperate again. You should be desperate now. We serve a God who says, don't be faint hearted. I will be with you. I'm going to help you. Then you can shake off the dust, rise up and sit enthroned over your problems. You can sit enthroned over the enemy and you got to go after this thing. See, these are the words that came forth for our friends in India. 
And what I know is that what the Lord is doing in us, what we promise you as pastors is this. We're going to share words that have been impacting us this week. So here we are. You've got to rise up, church. You've got to shake off the dust. You've got to sit enthroned over your enemies. You've got to put these things down. And you've got to do it today. And you've got to do it tomorrow. And you've got to just do it again. Man, we had such an incredible time to encourage the churches there in India to continue to walk in the resurrection power. If you leave resurrection power for Easter Sunday, you are a most pitiful kind of Christian. See, I became desperate. I was reminded of how desperate I need to stay for God's supernatural resurrection power. Every single day. We got, what, what do you need to accomplish in your life? What has God called you to do, Caleb? God has called you to do incredible things. Man, these, ros- these Rosaleses are multiplying all over the place. What's up, Nick? I love it. God has got a calling on, on, on people's lives in here. Yeah, you've got to have His Spirit with you. You've got to have His empowerment with you so you can accomplish this. Crying out for His resurrection power every single day. Man, how are you doing walking in His resurrection power? Easter Sunday was two and a half weeks ago. Have you forgot about a daily need for His resurrection power? Hey Amen, I hope not. I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Be made like Him in the fellowship of His sufferings. Man, I want to be just like Him. I want to have conform myself to His death so that I can also conform myself to His resurrection. See, I want to keep dying to my own self. I want to keep dying to my thoughts. I want to keep dying to my own direction, my own plans, that I might be resurrected to His plans in my life. Come on, man. This is what we're supposed to be is walking in this resurrected power. Turn with me to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Don't be faint-hearted, church. He is with us. Romans chapter 15, let's look at verse 5. It says this, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I would like both of those, please. Thank you very much. Yes, please. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement. Man, if if I've learned anything over the last couple of years, is if the enemy can't just completely separate you from God's call, what he tries to make it is just incredibly miserable while you're fulfilling the call. See, God doesn't just give endurance. If you need endurance, you ask him for it, he'll give it to you. He gives endurance and encouragement. I feel like tonight is is, is supposed to be an encouragement kind of night. And endurance and encouragement, what does it say? What does it go on to say? Give you a spirit of unity among yourselves. Isn't that what Pastor Eric taught you? Was that last Wednesday, fire and glory? Last Wednesday, one week ago. Corporate revival, people. Corporate revival. Fire and glory. Be in unity with God. Be holy and be making other people holy. And then have a singular focus. Did I get that right? Okay. That was last Wednesday. How you doing with that? One week ago, 
phenomenal service. I'm sitting in wherever I was when I, when I watched the video. I can't remember at the moment. Crying, I'm just like, this is beautiful. What an incredible pattern. Are, are you walking in that pattern today? I hope you are. And if you're not, what I'm encouraging you is to not be faint-hearted, but that the God who gives you endurance and encouragement may give us a spirit of unity. Why? So that we can have his spirit fall on us tonight. Give you a spirit of unity amongst your, among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and with one mouth. What an interesting saying. You may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what an incredible thought. This idea that the point of him speaking to us, he gives us endurance and encouragement. Another prophecy that came to us was about faithfulness over time. See, in the southern part of India, basically where we were, I'll give you an analogy. It's, if you think about a, uh, about a field. And in the southern part of India, at least with Pastor Anne in Israel, it's like a lot of rows have already been laid. Man, they are straight looking rows. You can walk in between them. There's been seeds that have been sown. There's fruit that's coming up. And so while we're there, we're encouraging the church. We're trying to water and sprinkle life on them. We're trying to, trying to make sure that we're protecting the weak. We're doing these things because it's already been laid out for us and we're walking in it. And that type of a mission trip is, is a unique mission trip. It's beautiful because it's been laid out. What our Indonesia team is doing is, is they're going to go and there are already some rows that have been laid and they're working on others. See, when we went up north, it was like it was just hard ground. I don't know if you've ever had a tiller. I would say a plow, but I've never worked with a plow with oxen. I can imagine it would be the same. But what happens when you put a tiller onto hard ground? It's very, very difficult to gain any traction, but you have to work at it, work at it, until it starts to dig down deep, and then you get one spot that is now the beginning. Pastor Zeke and I were there, and it was like, this is kind of chaotic. Like, what the heck is going on? We would show up somewhere, and uh, we would think, okay, we're going to go meet with someone for coffee in their house. We're like, praise God. We would get lost four times getting between one place to the other because the men who were with us were like, we don't know where it is. <laughs> like, Lord, <laughs> please send someone who knows where we're going. And we would show up and there'd be 75 people waiting on us that had been waiting for five and a half hours on us. Z, you want to preach? He was like, nah, bro, you take it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> the idea of faithfulness over time was such a beautiful thing because we got to see it at work in southern India, and we got to see what it looks like before faithfulness over time has kicked in in northern India. See, once you get things to a certain point, they feel easy, and sometimes you forget where things started. Where are you in your walk with the Lord tonight? Are there some areas that have been pretty well, the, the rows have already been laid, and you're, you're reaping the fruit from it? What areas in your life are more like the northern India, Nepal part of our trip where it's just difficult and God is just having to work some things there? It feels chaotic to you. It feels like, what, is, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? 
Pastor, we know about these marriage teachings. Why are we doing this? Because we're your pastors and we're trying to till up the ground. So that you might reap the fruit. There's got to be faithfulness over time that goes on. Man, the mountains of Kanur are an incredible place. And I want to talk to you about faithfulness over time there. Um, Megan, can you, can you show this next slide? <laughs> so, this is the only picture that I have. This was from last year. This is in a town in, uh, in the Kanur, in the mountains. Okay? And what you see is just outside of the, the vehicle, I took a picture. I don't know why I got the gorilla one. There was another Hindu man that was bigger than this guy, but that's, this is the picture that I could find this evening. And Justin Treister, Nick Aragina, and Pastor Zeke Lamb again. That dude, incredible. If, they, if you don't remember their story of going into a town center, holding up their Bibles and speaking in tongues, asking the Lord of all creation to end this demonic, idolatrous festival. Lord, tear these things down. Tear these things down. You need to listen to these men tell that story at some point. Incredible. They get swarmed. They need police to actually escort them out because they're about to start a riot because they're praying. Man, this reminds me of Book of Acts. These guys are living it. Pastor Annan, had, they had to get escorted out. Incredible other ministry breaks out with the police officials and their daughters, all kind of stuff. This was three years ago, almost to the day that I'm back here at this place. The reason I couldn't show you a picture from this trip was there was no festival that was going on. There were no giant 30-foot idols that had been made. And here's why. We were asking the locals. We were like, we thought this was the festival time. They're like, oh, it is. But this year, our two-week festival was only a few hours because we could not find anybody who wanted to lead the festival, so we just closed the whole festival down. <laughs> See, so how is it that we're at a church that my India trip is being affected by Nick and Justin? Because this is why we have faithfulness over time. This is why we go back to the same places and meet with the same people. See, what I found out last year is that we prayed for people to get pregnant in services. This year I get to come back and pray over the babies that they had. See, we're there with Daniel and Gabriel and Caleb and Gabriel and who else? Who am I missing? JJ and Andrew from last year. We're praying over people and we're believing that God is going to heal them. We don't always have interpreters with us when we're praying. So they're speaking to me in Tamil. I'm speaking to them back in English. And then I'm like, this is a futile experience. I will just speak to you now in the, in the Holy Ghost. We're praying over people. They would just point to an area. We just lay hands on it and go, oh God, I hope this is not... Uh. I'm only joking. But we can, see, we can come back the next year and the people will come up to us and show us the leg that they had that was mangled, diseased, broken, and what God has done in miraculous ways. See, sometimes when you go on a mission trip, you're wanting to lay hands on somebody and see some supernatural thing in the moment. 
And those are fun when that happens. I got to be honest with you. When somebody has a pain or a brokenness and it goes away instantaneously or within a matter of moments, you're like, this is missions. Right? Like, whoa, supernatural. Come on, Jesus. And you should go after it like that was going to be the case on every time you pray. Whether you're overseas or right here in this room. Man, we're going we're gonna to get to worship here in a few minutes. And if you need healing, let's just go for it. If you've just allowed some things just to be okay with you, yeah, they're not okay. Let's just pray for it. But what we also know is that there's at many moments in Christianity is showing a faithfulness over time. See, I love the fact that I can see the same people. I can see a girl that I that we prayed for and cast a demon out of years ago, and I see last year that her eyes are clear. I can see this year that she's growing in discipleship. Wow. Come on, what... What areas of your life do you need to be demonstrating faithfulness over time? See, if they would have just prayed and had a great story, by the way, we could have gone on and maybe never known that the Lord actually heard these men's prayer and shut down this two-week-long festival that was dominating that city. You couldn't move through the town square. Now it's just business as usual. Faithfulness over time is, an, is a requirement of every true believer. Praying for women to become pregnant and, seeing, and, and praying for their babies. Praying for healing and seeing people healed. Come on, we prayed last week for fire and glory to fall on us. How about you have some faithfulness over time? How about we keep praying and believe that the corporate revival that God wants to send is not yet completed upon us? That's the beginning. What I heard Justin say in his sermon over and over again. I believe that Pastor Eric and, and Pastor Matt, ref, or Pastor Eric did in, in his sermon about fire and glory. Man, what if we're coming down to the altar to say, Lord, I just want to be with you more. Lord, I need your glory and your fire upon me. That we've taken care of the sin before we entered the building. That we, do you need an invitation to take care of your sin? Do you need an invite? Do you need us to tell you that you shouldn't be afraid? How about you take care of that and you enter his gates with thanksgiving and you enter his courts with praise. And then we're just starting from a much closer place to him that we might engage with him and get the fire and glory. How about we show some faithfulness over time in our prayers? How about we keep going after this? You can't be hungry for a day and expect God to bring revival on you. Oh, he'll come and touch you because he's just good. He will move in your life because he is a fantastic God. But the reason he's moving on you, the little bit that he is, is to whet your appetite that you might seek him more. Instead, sometimes we just get satisfied with the fact that he moved and we actually disengage. Come on, let's engage. Let's have faithfulness over time. A couple more pictures. These are men who have faithfulness over time. This is a pastor's meeting in Satamanglium. 130 people in the room. For those of you who went last year, this was the one that we lost power and it was 130 degrees up there. Yeah. Man, these are men who are showing faithfulness over time. How about you? Next picture. In northern India, this was one of those times where we walked through and we thought that we were just going to, they were like, we just want you to meet this one person and then we're going to go. Well, this is only... 
so we got there and we met the one person. And because they saw us walking through the village, other people came. This is a tribal village. And more and more people started coming. This was after about 20 minutes of us sitting there. And it got probably double this size by the time we were done. This, this was you're like, Zeke, you want to start? He's like, hey man, why don't you take it, brother? I got it. And then Zeke brought the house down. I, I softened him up and he just, it was incredible. It was awesome. I want to show you this video real quick about, about these people right here. Hello, LCM. Why we came here is that you see a place over here. It's all Christian, Christian believers. The houses, the tribal villages, and you see a building over there because uh, they are Hindu. They built it because they are Christian. They didn't get any benefit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is where these people live. The reason that it's a tent village is it is customary in this area for the government to make people's houses. They will not make these people's houses because they are Christians. So they live in a tent city. When it rains, they get wet. When it's hot, they get hot. When the weather is, turns cold, they get cold. They live in a tent it's almost like God is showing them to be tent makers, though. This was one of my favorite places that I've been in a long time. The beauty of their relationship with the Lord, because it costs them something. Most places we go in India, we bring something to them. We bring the word of God and we bring them something. These people took an offering for us. And you know what we did? We took it. Not because we cared about the money, but how can you dare spit in the face of that kind of sacrifice? They are the poorest people you may ever meet. They are the most simple people you may ever meet. And the glory and the fire of God is resting upon them. What excuse do you and I hold on to today? We have no reason for an excuse. These people are showing faithfulness over time. The Lord is faithful to them, and he'll be faithful to us. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. I hope this is making sense to you. <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 4, and let's look at verse 1 and 2. By the way, in this picture that we just showed... Uh, there were multiple people that Zeke and I were just prophesying and as God was calling them into ministry. <laughs> unplanned meeting on an un, in an unfinished building next to a tent city. And God sent us there and encouraged people by building them up and saying, you, you have a call into ministry. Tears. The Lord just falling on people with his presence there. Incredible. Nehemiah chapter 4 continues on with a, with a different kind of thought. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. Another prophecy that we got was that there were treasures that were hidden behind walls. 
that were already set out for us. These are words that you gave us. Treasures that were behind walls. Made sense when I realized that two days before we got to Nepal, they were arresting Christians. I mentioned that to you. Clearly, the northern part of India is much more difficult than the southern. They are much more anti-gospel, anti-God. The British who were controlling them for so many centuries began to hurt them in different kind of ways and do unspeakable things. And so they decided that if those kind of people would do that to them, there must not be a God that it was worth even considering. And they're very hard towards it. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. See, we were getting some of that in Nepal. Just being in there for a few minutes. The very first service that we were in, demonic manifestations started going on. I mean, we're in Nepal for 20 minutes. We get to somebody's place and we're like, oh, hi, this is the, this is the way this is going to be, huh? Amen, let's do this. Getting to see people set free. It causes the spiritual forces to get angry. In this case, it was Sanballat. He became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these people doing? See, sometimes the people who have insults that they want to throw you, throw at you, actually, it's not just words. The man had other people and an army of Samaria that he was talking to. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Are they going to finish in a day? Can they build and bring these stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? What opposition is coming against you right now in your life? What sandballad kind of conversations are happening in your own mind, your own heart, and your own world? Let me go, let me take you back to southern India just for a second. At that picture that we showed you in the Kanur meeting, right before the idol, we showed you the idol. See, because we were there and actually preaching the gospel, even in southern India, one of the pastors, Pastor Stephen Murga, got called in by the local authorities because he had come with a group of people to the meeting. The highest official in that area called him in and wanted to have a meeting with him. We were scheduled to go and have uh, house-to-house meetings that day with people. Just go in and pray all day long. Forty-five homes that we were scheduled to go into. And what we did was we stirred up sand ballot. We stirred him up. And he was calling in to say, what, what is going on? There were multiple days of meetings that Stephen Murga had with these leaders. What kind of opposition are you facing? External? Internal? Turn with us to Nehemiah in chapter 6. You guys know this story very well. So I'm just going to mention it. And, and then we're going to move on to another passage here. Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 8. I sent them this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are, try- you are just making it up out of your head. I love that. I love this translation. I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. You're just making that up out of your head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work, and it will not be completed. Do you see how the fearful thoughts cause weak hands? Hey, I want to encourage you guys. Don't be afraid, church. Awaken yourself. 
Clothe yourself with strength. Shake off the dust. Rise up and sit enthroned over what God has for you. Don't let fearful thoughts take away God's strength in your life. But I prayed. Now strengthen my hands. You see, what I'm going to tell you that no one else should know is that sometimes you have to pray silently or to yourself. Be like, Lord, I need you to strengthen my hands. But what you're saying to everybody else is, what do you think we're going to do? We're, we're not, we're going to keep going. Nothing you're saying is true. Lord, strengthen my hands. You're making that up. God, I need you to help me right now. Don't you say that again. <laughs> This is not being false. This is being full of faith. This is reminding yourself of whose we are. He wants to be with us. See, what oftentimes we do is we get these two roles reversed, though, don't we? We stand forward and we're fearful in our thoughts. And then we back up and in our own thoughts, we're bold. You're backwards. Nehemiah shows us that you're backwards. I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if I don't have enough money in my account and I don't know my kids and my family and my life. And, uh, and you get here and like, yes, the Lord will be my strength. I'd rather you come here and be like, yikes, uh, guys, I'm a little nervous. Would you pray with me? And be bold when you step forward. Why? Because this is what we're supposed to do. It's not that Nehemiah is not worried about losing strength. He's praying for it. Lord, what they're trying to do is make me weak. Lord, don't let me be weak. What they're trying to do is back me down from what I'm supposed to be doing. Lord, don't let me back down from what I'm supposed to be doing. Paul prays this in the New Testament as well. In Ephesians 6. I pray that I would have the boldness in his speech that he would be fearless when he speaks. Who would have thought that Paul needed to pray about being fearless in his speech? The Word records it, folks. What about you? Do you need to pray for more fearlessness in how you're speaking? Do you need to pray for more fearlessness in how you're living this life? Don't be weak. Look at your neighbor say, don't be weak. Now say to yourself, Lord, help me not to be weak. <laughs> Look at verse 11 in the same passage. They're trying to continue to get him. Should a man like me run away? Should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? You want me to run away to the church? I go to the church so I can get strong, so I can go complete his work out there. I love this. Should a man like me run away? I don't know. I guess that's a question you've got to ask yourself. I know what the answer is for me. I know what it is for me. I, I was sitting there with Zeke as he was taking his 12-year-old son, and we were going into places where we could get arrested. Whew. That'll make you come alive a little bit. Yeah, we're going to go do this. Lord, strengthen my hands. Amen. This is, come on, church, where you at? These are words that were shared with us from you. We got words about looking past the giants in our lives. 
Kathleen had a word for us while we were there. Kathleen Lamb. She said, we may not always see the immediate, this is my summation of it, not necessarily her words. We may not always see the immediate benefits, but the Lord was, the Lord was forging things as we were going about. And the unseen things were great things that the Lord is doing. Are you trusting in what you can see to determine if you're successful or not? Or are you trusting in the obedience that comes from following exactly what he said? See, are you looking at, you could actually go on a mission trip with LCM and be nervous about what you did. I don't know if I prayed for enough people. I don't know if I saw a miraculous in the moment kind of thing. How about you just trust in the, being obedient to what God has said? Lord, strengthen my hand. <laughs> I need you to help strengthen my hand, Lord. Man, you go out there and you pray for it. You go after and you get it. See, because we're supposed to look past the giants that are in the land. You're supposed to look past those obstacles. You're, also, you're supposed to look past those things. It's not that they're not there. It's supposed to be that to you it doesn't matter. Things matter to us way too much, don't they? Of course they don't, Pastor. Yep, they really do. <laughs> they matter way too much. Look past the giants. What giants do you need to look past today? What giants do you need to not even be concerning yourself with? Because you're going to beat them anyway. You're going to defeat them. You are the victor. You are more than a conqueror. Come on, what, what do you need today? Come on, church. I, I want the corporate revival that you guys have already been praying for. I feel like I'm running to catch up on a train that's already moving and jump back on with you guys. This is my attempt tonight to just run as fast as I can and jump on the train with you. The train of corporate revival that's coming. To just keep going after it, to keep going after it, to keep going after it. What giants did you need to take care of tonight? What fears have become so commonplace that you no longer challenge them? What idolatrous thoughts of comparison, discontent, or discouragement are lingering that have to be done away with tonight? Megan, can you put up the next picture? In the northern part of India, this was where we went to. This is a man's house. That's Anand right in front of me on the right there. Next picture. This is the little house with about 25 people in it that were waiting on us. And Zeke was a boss. Preached an incredible word. I don't know if you can tell it. It's such, it was kind of a weird setting in someone's home. So Zeke just kneeled down and preached to him from a kneeling position. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. See, because we were looking past the giants in the land. You're not supposed to be here. You don't know the language. They don't like you. They hate Christianity. We were just looking past all that and going, Lord, give us the treasures that are there. Lord, there are treasures that you have for us. Church, there are treasures that God has for you. And sometimes they're behind walled cities with giants in them. Just go after it. In 2 Chronicles 14, 11, you don't have to turn there. Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is none like you to help the powerless against the mighty. I love that verse. I love this verse. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. 
O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. Yeah, see, if you're fighting the Lord's battle, then you don't have to worry about being overcome because they're not overcoming you. They're, they're trying to overcome the Lord. You think that's going to work? Yeah, as long as we just hold our ground. We were told to encourage others to hold to a labor of love. We encourage the body there. Uh, another picture there, Megan. See, I have a bunch of pictures of Zeke, not because, I mean, I, mean, I, I do have a, a man crush on Zeke, but it's because I'm clearly not going to take a picture of myself. <laughs> I'm awesome. This is Zeke preaching to a, a uh, VBS that they had with a couple hundred people that came. Actually, I said that about the picture. Well, I, I did do this once, though. Let's do the next one. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, you can see Andrew's glorious beard down in the bottom right. See, what the Lord was doing was encouraging the people. This is about 300 people right outside of Pastor Annan's church. They had all the group, the uh, branch churches come in. Last year, Gabriel preached an incredible message here on this celebration service. This is what we were doing here and encouraging the people to hold on to their labor of love. Can I encourage you the same way, church? Would you hold on to the labor of love? See, we do a lot of things around here. Your work prompted by faith, your labor prompted by love, and in your endurance inspired by the hope of Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you to stay faithful? Can I encourage you to stay hungry for the things of the Lord that he might work in our lives? Turn with me to Hosea chapter 10. We're almost done. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. I got to preach a message with Zeke last Sunday. So much fun. Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. It says this, so for yourselves, righteousness. Isn't that interesting? So for yourselves, righteousness. Sometimes we get to reap the benefits of other people's labor. But the Lord is saying, sow for yourself righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. How do you reap fruit? You've got to have a faithfulness over time so that you can be there when the fruit is being produced. Break up your unplowed ground. Can I encourage you? This should be a common practice for everyone in this church. When you find out that you have a place that has been unplowed in your life, you should immediately go and plow up that ground. You should immediately do it. I want to encourage us to begin and do that more outside of the services as much as we do inside the services. If you're in the word every day, if you're in the spirit every day, aren't you going to notice those areas? We're supposed to come and find the revival fire that God has or find his glory. In Ezekiel 34, it says this, verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of wild beasts so that they may live in the desert. Good place to live. And sleep in the forest in safety. I will bless them and the places surrounding my hill. I will send showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees of the field will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in my land. 
Then they will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. And just beautiful words from the Lord. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. One of the prophecies that came forth was actually from Pastor Matt. And this is the last one that we're going to do tonight. I encourage you to get with Andrew. Andrew was such a blessing on this trip. Man, Andrew is becoming a fine preacher, man. Goodness gracious. You'd think it was just because of the beard, and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. But, man, JJ and Natalie were an absolute fantastic blessing on this trip. The way they ministered to families, the way they were praying for people, the way JJ was preaching, it was, this was, this is a special church. You know, I counted while I was on the road, while I was in India, because I was talking to Pastor Anand, and I said, there have been 20 different people. I was like, I think I said something like, I bet there's been at least 20 different people who's preached in our church this year. And then I got JJ and Andrew to start counting with me. And I think I underestimated it. 20 different men who have preached in this church since January 1st. 20 different people from here. This is not guest speakers coming in. This is 20, 20 of you. Look around, folks. We're not pulling from thousands here. We're pulling from tens. Which only makes it more impressive of what God is doing in your lives, of what He's building into you. That the weakest among us might be doing okay. But see, it's not enough for us to be able to go, yeah, the weakest among us. We're trying to keep raising the level and keep raising the level and keep raising the level. Because how much of God's fire do you really want? Do you want to just warm yourself by it? Do you want to just see it and bring light? Do you want to warm yourself by it? Or do you want to be on fire? Yeah, see, that's where we're going as a church. And we've got to continually do what the Lord puts before us. Revelation chapter 2, verse 18 says to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. This was one of the folks, one of you guys sitting here encouraged me with this scripture. As we get ready to close, the prophecy that came forth from Pastor Matt praying over our team before we went was that God would set our feet on fire. Another prophecy came forth and said that God, we were like arrows. I saw a picture, brother. It was like arrows that God was setting on fire and he was launching it over there. You know what doesn't matter about those prophecies? Whether you feel like your feet were on fire. You know what doesn't matter about that prophecy? If you felt like you were an arrow soaring through the air, hitting the target. You know what doesn't matter about those things? Your feelings at all. Because if God says that he's trying to set us on fire, then he's going to set us on fire if we'll let him. This is not, this is not something that is even up for debate. That's what I loved about Pastor Eric's sermon last week. That's what I loved about Pastor Matt and Pastor Eric's sermon this past Sunday. We're going to believe that if we do what he tells us to do, that the results will be what he says they will be. If you live according to his words, you will be seen as wise because people will see the impact on your life that God's word has. What other nation, what other group of people has God so close to them as you? 
My God. I want us to be stirred tonight to fan into flame what the Lord is doing. See, I didn't get to be with you last week. I haven't been with you for, by the way, it feels like I was gone for three months, not three weeks. This church does so much in a day. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm hugging Baj like I haven't seen him in years. <laughs> oh wait, I got to open the service. My bad. My long lost family. See, what we needed to be doing is to be fanning into flame. Um, Megan, can you put 2 Timothy 1.6 on the screen? <clears throat> For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. This is where we're ending our time tonight. At least we're going to end the sermon tonight. Folks, your words were right on the mark. Your words coincided with what submission ministry had as words. It coincided with everything that happened on the trip. If you were one of those folks and I didn't share all of them, I picked seven to share with you. There are other fantastic things that the Lord did. Get with JJ. Get with Andrew. Man, it was incredible. But what does that have to do with you tonight? See, what I want to do is fan you in the flame and say, hey, if this is the kind of church where you can hear words and they be right on the mark for what happens 10,000 miles away from us, what do you need to fan into flame tonight? See, the year of prosperity for us is not, we're not even halfway done with it. We're not even, we're just kind of getting into it right now. See, we're just now getting in where our marriages are being strengthened enough that we're starting to feel some of the impact of that. See, we're just now getting into where we're going to be teaching on the parenting to help strengthen your homes. See, we're just now starting to see some of the prosperity that He promised us. What do you need to fan into flame in your own heart tonight? What faithfulness over time do you need to, to display? What parts of your life just need to be set on fire? This is a precious place. I loved being in a worship service where I could understand most of the words. See, but what I also found was people who could sing off key in a language I don't speak, and I could feel the same presence of God there in a tribal village in a tent shanty town in northern India. it makes me all the more hungry for us to have and cultivate that here. Stand to your feet with me. Mighty God, I'm asking for your presence to be seen here in this place tonight. Stir us tonight, mighty God. Set our lives on fire. Stir us tonight. Stir up that flame of the Holy Spirit within us. God, we need your spirit. 
We need your Holy Spirit because it gives us the confidence that we need. Lord, help us to put down the sandballot kind of voices in our lives. Lord, help us to have confidence that your spirit will either go before us or protect us behind us, whichever, it doesn't matter because you want to be with us. We need more of your presence today, Lord. We need more. Lord, we want more of your presence in our lives. Lord, fan us in the flame tonight. Lord, for those who are just seeing the flame and enjoying the light, Lord, may they step closer and feel the warmth. For those who are here feeling the warmth, may they step into the fire and be caught ablaze with your glory, Lord. Lord, send us your corporate revival. As we are in unity, as we are being made holy and making others holy, as we have a singular focus that you might set our lives ablaze. Lord, no other focus even matters. Set our lives ablaze. We unashamedly ask you to do more in our lives, God. Lord, that others may see that the world around us may be impacted. That we will awaken ourselves. We will be clothed with strength. That we will shake off any dust, even in the last few days. That we may shake off the dust and rise up in you, Lord sitting enthroned with your majesty, with your authority, with your power. Move us tonight, God. Give us that hunger that you might fill us, Lord. Lord, we love you. We need your fire. Come on, church, pray that. We need your fire, Lord. We need it. We need your fire, God. We want more of your fire. Lord, a fire that will not die down. A fire that will not be quenched. Set us ablaze, God. We need your fire, Lord.